0: This is the Becoming Educated podcast. Our mission is to inform educators, challenge their thinking, and inspire them to teach with joy. So, today on the Becoming Educated podcast, I am joined by a former chief inspector and policeman with over 30 years' experience, a committed violence prevention trainer, and an advocate of the bystander approach, Graham Golden. Graham is determined to embed violence prevention programs and recently has advocated for us to have more honest conversations with how we support our boys in our society. Graham, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Good to be here, Dan. It's nice to speak to somebody at this
0: time, which is good. It certainly is. Um, obviously, we're in the, the time of recording. We're in the middle of our, of our lockdown. And... Um, So, to start off the podcast, Graham, could you tell us a little bit about you, your career in the police, uh, and what you do now?
1: You know, I I joined the police when I was 19 years old um, in in Edinburgh, and as I often say to people, I spent 30 years in the police service, 20 years looking at issues of violence and social issues, slowly through a criminal justice lens, which really um, looks at how do we respond and how do we detect people who are committing the offences. The last 10 years of my career, I got... um, seconded to work with the Scottish Violence Reduction Unit and it really in many ways forced me to take my police hat off um, and start to look at issues a lot wider. You know it's important that accountability is there, people need to be supported and perpetrators of violence or any criminal act need to be held accountable but these are only short-term fixes, we need long-term fixes and the Violence Reduction Unit really started to talk to me in a way that forced me to look at things over the long term and start to ask questions like why and what and um, you know Lots of the things that were invisible to me back in my early years in the police service, especially around boys and men and masculinity and the links to violence and criminal acts there were completely invisible to me. And it was only when I started to look at um, this, this new lens, this public health lens, that I started to think, right, wow, what's going on here? I'm starting to understand why, you know, the vast majority of violence in this world, fact, is committed by men against men. And, and we need to start thinking, you know, rather than just detecting the, the, the offenders that's the easy part as far as I'm concerned how do we start to look at you know why what is happening you know we're you know you know we're, we're living in a real a culture just now where the messages and we'll probably touch on that as we go through the talk today about being a boy being a man can be quite a negative and I you know I, I don't believe that's at the heart of boys and men I'm you know I'd I like to start with a positive conversation today about, about our boys and how our boys in and, and men are healthy. So, these these first these last 10 years of my policing career really opened my eyes to what's going on in society, to the impact of early years trauma and how that plays out in, in adult life. And we, in, in this, at this time with the, the COVID-19 virus, we will have a lot of people who will have issues in their childhood who will lack the resilience and they'll start to really panic. This is a scary time for people. Um, and we've really got to start to understand um, the, the impacts of these early years, you know, that the, I've often heard many times, you know, that the, the mind might forget, but the body won't forget and how that plays out in adult life. So totally transformed how I how think about social issues. And now, far too young to retire from the police service, I retired at 49. And I've got this knowledge, this passion, this this desire. To communicate that not just into the, the places where I was working before, but just into communities. You know, I, I'm talking a lot to in, in my local community about about positivity, about mindset, about just getting people talking about issues at this this time. So I'm you know, I do a lot of violence prevention training work in uh, universities, I work in sports teams, schools, um, I'm entering into the private space around workplaces, you know, looking, using the, the, the bystander work that I do in workplaces and tackling sexual harassment and um, workplace bullying. So very fortunate to do that and you know it's important that the skills that i've developed over the last 10 years i start to put them into practice and working with a lot of voluntary organizations as well as corporate and private so yeah i feel very fortunate i think the, the i'm not going to call it a playground but the, the, the my my place of work just now is very exciting there's so much going on so much going on out there um and it's it's a great time to to talk, you know, every every household in in the UK just now and around the world are having public health conversations in their living room and over the over the dinner table. And a lot of the work with violence is very similar to the conversations we're having today about washing your hands. That's about sh- you know sort of shifting the norms in society that seem to accept violence. So something I'm I'm going to write about in the weeks to come, where you know what can COVID teach us about the prevention of violence? Because we we do look at violence and we're starting to see that across the UK looking at violence as a public health issue um, and that's the conversation we're having just now so there's so much going on just now.
0: Absolutely it sounds, sounds very exciting for you and we're going to cover some of those those topics that you mentioned about masculinity, about boy, about boys and men and especially as we go on in the conversation we're going to talk about what schools, colleges and universities in Scotland can do and across the UK. So cause just, to, just to begin the, the, the conversation here, I first met you at the TEDx Click Manager event. and there you spoke passionately about our need to challenge assumptions perceptions and our language when speaking with boys why do you think this is so important
1: you know i'm going to start again with this positive you know i think you know at the heart our boys are good vast majority of our boys are good guys who are good friends good sons good brothers just good members of 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 society i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know ignore the, the issues we see in society that you know i call these the dark acts the bad acts that um the, you know the acts of abuse and violence that takes place So let's start with the fact that most of our boys are, are good guys and i think the perception out there in society you know teachers police officers everybody is that boys don't care about these issues they don't they don't care about you know i'm not involved in that so it's not my issue but for me, I think the, these these perceptions just reinforce the stereotypes that we're going to talk about today. And I think it's just not true. I think you know, as, as teachers, as parents, we can also we can sometimes play into the narrative for the, the, the sort of negative narrative around boys that we just accept our behaviours. You know, we just you know, boys will be boys is the classic classic phrase. You know, I want boys to be boys. You know, there's people. You know, Ali McClure in her book Making It Better for Boys talks about how we need to allow boys to be boys, but if that phrase is used to excuse harmful behaviours, abusive behaviours, then that's not right. That's not what we want to happen. And we need we need parents and teachers to be able to challenge that and not just excuse it. You know, I think it's important because, you know, if you look around the world, you know, our boys are flaming out academically. We were seeing... Um, attainment rates, attendance at universities going down through our boys um, and out with education you know, we see a whole range of other issues You know, we see suicide rates amongst young men boys, men um, I think it's 12 men a week in the UK kill, kill themselves take their own lives um, we have a, a prison system where around 95% of people in prison in Scotland are, are young men, are men, are male there's women in prison as well but predominantly, this is our, our prisons are full of full of men. When you look at violence itself, the vast majority of violent crime is committed by men and against men. Um, and yes, women are violent. There's no doubt about it. But that doesn't. I we need to be careful that we don't just talk about these issues as non-gendered. Let's talk about these. These are gendered issues. It's, it's something that's really important. And I think the the narrative around boys and men is very negative at the moment you know a few weeks ago we had a headline in a scottish paper that suggested that boys were to be taught how not to be sex offenders that was the headline and i think it was the it was a, a national newspaper in scotland boys were to be taught not not how to be sex offenders and i think that's a negative when you when I, that's why i started at the very that's why i wanted to start this conversation that our boys are good and i think we need to not lecture our boys on certain issues because the, the danger is they switch off we need to and I'll talk a lot today about how do we need to engage our boys, not just educate our boys, engage them in the in the conversations. And I think you know we do lack role models out there. You know, at, at, at this time, you know, with with you know um, with with COVID nineteen, we are seeing you know the facts are saying that men, boys and men, males, are most at risk of dying from this virus around the world. They're seeing more men dying than women. And is that is that biological or is it? The gendered nature of of the world we're living, you know, sort of risk-taking behavior. I've seen some pictures of boys, you know, licking toilet seats on the on 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 social media. We've had the the boy last week in, in Florida on his spring break saying, "Yeah, COVID nineteen won't affect me." Mm-hmm. He's now backtracking and apologising for that. But we're seeing some really risk-taking behaviours just now amongst our, our our young men, and is that linked to issues? So we need positive role models out there, role modelling the. The, the behavior we want to see in our boys, and I think you know, boys like like girls are naturally exploring the sex, the gender, and the sexuality. Um, but they're all, but they're learning they're learning to be men at a time when the stereotypes of masculinity are often negative. And also, we have some high-profile men in the news just, just now who are behaving inappropriately. Might not be behaving criminally, but they are behaving inappropriately. And I think that's an important conversation we need to start to have. And I think when boys don't conform to the expectations of being the, the stereotypical man, they, they risk being seen less as, as as men by their peers. And I think men are often, boys are often forced into that, that box. We talk about the man box. And, you know, people say the man box doesn't exist. Rubbish, it does exist. We've all been there as guys. We've all been, you know, have good, healthy viewpoints and values, but we're scared to, to, to be that authentic person because of what our peers may think. But the reality is, our friends often think the same as what we do. So that's, you know, we'll talk about solutions. And you know, I think conversation is a big solution here. And, you know, what's the three most scariest words in the world that boys hear? Be a man. Because what the hell does that mean? As that, you know, Be a man is the combination of words that is scary for all of us as, as guys. So I think it's important that society gets it right when they engage the boys. You know, engaging and talking to boys is, for me, as important as the education part. You know, if we take the standard, that the starting point that our boys are healthy, individually possess healthy values, then why are we lecturing them? Why are we pointing fingers at them and saying, don't do that? How about, you know, we need to get them talking together so that they start to see the reassurance from their other their, their peer network. That isn't just me that thinks there's a problem here. All my friends think that. So I think we need to start helping our young boys develop their character what's their mark on the world what do they represent in the world and i don't think we invest enough time in, in in saying to something like hey you know darren you know what what's your values what do you believe in you know what why do you get up in the morning um and i think as fathers uncles teachers we don't we don't sit there enough to talk about that with the boys so i really think we need to and um i think by talking about this by talking about values, helping our boys develop the character, the imprint on the world, um, then we will help our boys to be the men they want to be and they deserve to be. And you know what? The men we need them to be in the future. And I think I said it in my TED talk that we need boys at this time to be allies, not passive bystanders. And we'll probably touch more of that as we go through. So, you know, developing the character also brings healthy values from the group to the service. And this to the surface, I think this, this reassurance is so important. You know, I want to be reassured that if I say something, I'm going to be backed up by my friend. If I don't think I'm going to be backed up by my friend, I won't say anything. That's the problem we've got just now. So, um, yeah, I think it's important. There's big, big challenges out there for boys just now about how they behave, how they're going to be looked at. You know, I, I don't think young boys fear being physically assaulted by their mates for standing against the the group. But what, what they do fear is being socially isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more of a social fear than a physical fear, um, especially in peers. So that's that, that's that's the first the first question. That's so important. Lots of pressures out there, and we need society, teachers, parents, anybody who's involved and in, with with working with boys, living with boys, just to sit down and have the chat, have the conversation.
0: Certainly, it's definitely ever since your TED talk, it's made me look at my my own my own practice as a teacher, especially when I'm teaching. Large groups of of boys and we're out playing football, and that phrase is like "Be a man and toughen up and how they come in, and the kind of the negative kind of connotations they have so we 're going to come back to to some of those things you said because we can really go deeper deeper there and start that conversation here so you said about something about twelve twelve men per week are taking their own lives uh, and we know that boys and men are up to three times more likely to take their own life so so how then do we do we really create that culture where it 's okay for boys to open up and, and talk about their feelings because we know that in, in the UK and, and across the world, that, that, that boys and men, are they, they bottle up and, and they don't share.
1: Yeah. You know, to say said, male suicide is a big, big issue. Um, three, four times more likely to take their own lives than than, than, than women. And as I said before, that 12-minute day, that's, that's a frightening statistic. And it's frightening because we often hide, I think as individuals, we hide behind a sort of, a. I don't know, a guys that 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 will never happen to us that will never impact on us that's that's somebody else's problem you know and suicide is very personal I I often talk about I lost my dad to suicide back in 2008 and um, so my dad in many ways would have become a statistic unless I didn't allow that to happen so I talk a lot about my own experiences my dad's experience and um, I think my dad's experience taught me a whole lot about um, the reality of You know, violence, suicide is self directed violence. Violence has the potential to to be deeply personal to everybody in society. And the quicker that society starts to realize this could happen to a person I care about, this could happen to my teammate, you know what? If we do that, we're more likely to um, talk about these issues. And so taking this stuff really, really seriously. And yeah, you're right. We often hear the phrase, you know, men need to talk more. Um, Yeah. Maybe we do, but I think our job, you, your job, my job as men is to create the space for men to talk. That's, that's important for me. You know, we need men to show vulnerability. You know, what you promote, you permit, Sort what comes to mind here. If I start to open up, um, I then start to permit other people to talk about the same. So you know, I often, you know, a personal story, just before I retired, I, you know, I retired in June 1987, <laughs> sorry, June 2017, actually, sorry. I joined in June 1987. And um, about the January and the, the February before I started to get really worried about retiring, um, worrying about, you know, I'd been looked after for 30 years. My pay was at every month. I was, off sick, I got paid. I didn't have to really want for anything, you know. As long as I did my job, everything was getting was in place for me. And I started to get really concerned. Um, and I, I call it my pre-retirement wobble. That's why I, I quite openly talk about it. And I started to get really worried. And you know, I didn't. I can tell you, I, I wasn't for speaking about it to anybody. I, you know, having been in that situation, I, I didn't. I wouldn't have spoken to you about it. I wouldn't have spoken to my, my brother about it. I was just. I was just waiting to sort of counting the days down to retirement, thinking, I need to get out of this. I need to, to move on and, and, and and you know, see how things are going to pan out for me. But it's it my wife that started to spot the red flags about me being quite quiet, about not talkative, just being, you know, not, not having the, the energy to do many things. And when I spoke to, I started to open up to her, because I think a lot of it stemmed from my dad's issue. You know, I bottled up a lot of my own emotion around my dad, I'd been caring about my, my daughters, my brother, my mum, my and the extended family. I hadn't really cared about myself. Um, and, um, you know, when I started to speak to my wife and I, I spoke to my doctor about it, it all opened up and it all came out, and I just felt so much better. So that, 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 that lesson taught me that we can't just expect boys and men to open up and talk about it. We need to role model it. And, again, the theme a lot from today is about good role modeling from society. Um, you know, what our boys are learning from from their dads, from their uncles, from their, their teachers. These are these are the guideposts. You know, men are the guideposts for for their daughters and how men are going to treat them in the future, but men are the guideposts for their sons around what what does it mean to be a man? You know, and that that's issue. So I think it's important that um that creating a culture is so so important the culture if we're not careful the culture can be negative and the culture will eat us for breakfast in many ways if we don't tackle if we tackle this culture of not opening up this lack of emotion our boys have emotion it's clear and we suppress it from 3, 4 or 5 we suppress it from these early ages don't cry you know, man up all these conversations so we've got a lot of undoing to do and, we, and the only way we're going to do that is men like you and I I would open up talk about how we're feeling and that's still hard for us but once you start to move on from that it becomes a little bit easier um, and as I say what you what you promote you permit and that you know I, I apply that, that that sentence to lots of parts of my work good role modeling of good healthy um, behaviors and character so yeah it's important to, uh, I think the, the culture is created by you and I its leadership. This is this is courage. It takes it takes courage. It takes a bit of knowledge. It takes confidence, um, and these are all traits of leadership. You know, a lot of the work that I do now is I call it leadership training. You know, I don't go and tell folk how to behave or what to do. I talk about their leadership, and I sort of hide the conversations within the leadership f- framework. So yeah, culture is important, but we can create the culture by opening up and showing vulnerability.
0: That's brilliant, brilliant themes, and I like that. I like we said there, that how. Um... Men are the guideposts for uh, for our sons and daughters and as a teacher i'm i'm the i'm the role model I'm the guidepost for for the for the boys and girls that that are in my class and I need to role model the behavior i, I love that themes that are coming through i um, kind thinking back to what you said earlier about like ninety five percent of of people in prisons in scotland are, are young men why do you do you think that it is that boys and men are the main perpetrators? Uh, and also the main victims of crime in our society.
1: I like think that that's that's important. That it's often happenstance that you know that, that one person one week could become a victim, that the following week they become a perpetrator. So it's it's it, it really depends what's happening at the time, what what side of the fence you fall on. But you know some people will dispute that fact that um, they'll say, "Oh, women are as violent as men." Um, and I, you know what I said before women are violent there's no, no no doubt about it but the the, the statistics we see out there that you know the if you if you if, if you if you look at america over the last 15 20 years 99 percent of school shootings in america have been committed by young men and when that happens the conversation in america is on gun control and mental health right we don't talk about masculinity at all it's, it's, it's hidden it's not talked about you can bet your bottom dollar if a girl went into a, sh- a school and shot 20, 20 people. That would be the story. Um, but when it comes to boys and men, we just seem to skirt around it. We're trying, we just, we just don't talk about it. We need to be brave enough to be asking the question, why? We, suicide, we seem to be more comfortable with suicide, talking about that as a male thing, but not violence. And I think it's important it's very complicated. You know, And there's probably more experts than me will be able to talk about why, why that is the case. But again, I'm going to take it back to upbringing, culture, some biology you know you know i think I, in, my, in my ted talk i mentioned a study which was shared by my friend suzanne zirik who talks about there's some good good studies out there just now that suggest that when you know in, in early years boys mature later than, than girls as we know that that happens and it, it can be this if, if you're exposed to adversity to toxic stress to in your early childhood, then we know that can have a knock-on impact in the future. And there's some good evidence now suggesting that this prolonged exposure to um, toxic stress can lead to issues in boys in the future. The adverse childhood experiences. So that's so I think there's some there's some biology uh, at play in the, there as well. I think the way that we're nurtured, you know, again a lack of role modelling, you know, living in a violent household, living in a a violent community can have its have its impact on um, on the on the young person. Um, so that I think that's that you know the, 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 that should never be used to excuse people's violence. And some people think that oh you're just saying they that you know it's that we should feel sorry for them. Maybe we should have some more compassion for offenders and, and more understanding, but it never excuses from in my view it should never excuse what they do, um what what they've done. So I think to that Looking at the biology but together with the expectations around masculinity, I think we've got a perfect storm where violence is often the go-to tool for far too many boys and men. We, we see it every day in the news, you know, a wee disagreement in the playground, a disagreement in the street, and it's fisticuffs, it's having a fight or it's abusive language. And we, we see that, we're seeing that today in supermarkets, we're seeing people falling out and just going... Going to the you're using the and by violence I'm talking about not just the physical violence but the verbal verbal violence emotional violence as well, um, so you know I think I think violence is the go-to tool that many boys and men use too quickly, and it's the because you know, if they if they back off and don't use it they can be seen by their peers as being soft as being something other than a man so I think it's important and I, I often you know my friend Don McPherson in America calls us the mandate of masculinity you know you're you're, you're you're in a situation and you can't back down. You just can't. But it's like, you know, you know what's the, what's what's the worst thing that a boy can be called by another boy, and it's a girl. And when someone challenges that and, and, and starts to identify you in that way, then that's it. There's a line being crossed, and you need to act. And often the case is violence and abuse is the is the tool that's often used. Um, as I say, we're seeing that we're seeing that today. Um, as I said before, around COVID nineteen, we're seeing boys and men risk-taking behaviour. Um, you know, saying they're going to be okay and not listening to advice and guidance around social distancing, thinking they're invincible. And I think that 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 plays out with the culture that that, that we're living in. You know, we, we live in a very sexually toxic culture. We've talked about pornography um, earlier. Um, you know, at this time, we've got por- porn pornography sites giving free subscriptions while people are socially isolating. And I'm not saying pornography causes violence, uh, but it certainly creates a harmful narrative. And we know that there's a lot of young girls being pressured into certain behaviors. And I think boys are, be, are feeling pressured to, to behave in certain ways, to live up to this mandate of masculinity. You know, Porn is the greatest sex message we have at the time. And um, we need a counterbalance to pornography. And the counterbalance again is just talking about it. Talking about the issues and the the how you know what 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 pornography is doing to society, that it's not real, but it's still placing an expectation. And again, if you look at you know modern pornography is violent. Men win, women lose. Again it's sending a message out. So I think there's some biological issues at play here, there's no doubt about that. Good evidence around adversity. But I also think there's some triggers, social triggers which are the the, the access to, to harmful messages online, social media, pornography, computer games, certain types of music, which in many ways just reinforce the stereotypes that we've talked about today. Um, and I think, yeah, and as victims, it's all connected. And I said before, it's often happenstance. One, one, one day you're a, a perpetrator of violence, the next day you are a victim. I, still, when, I when I worked in Leith in Edinburgh, during the sort of um, late eighties, early nineties, at the height of the HIV/AIDS epidemic, you know, yeah, I was dealing with violence all the time. And one week, so and so was the victim, but next week, he was the he was in he was in court for for killing somebody. So let's not ignore. Let's not you know the the, the, the here's a fact as well: the vast majority of boys and men don't use violence. Fact, um, but they're often silent when they see their friends behaving in certain ways, and we need to help our our friends step into situations. Um, you know, I, I, work, I work in prisons quite a lot. And I remember speaking to a prisoner, James, who said to me, you know, if my friends had stopped me doing what I did, I wouldn't be here for 25 years. So, again, it goes back. We need, we need our boys and men to step into situations safely to get their friends away from potentially dangerous situations which could impact greatly on their life. So, <clears throat> I think, yeah, going back to why our boys and men more involved, a mixture of um, nature, biology, but a lot of the way that we're nurtured, and that comes from parents, carers, teachers, society.
0: Because okay, so, there's a, so much you said there that to, to take out, and that idea of the mandate of masculinity and, and how we live in a, a very sexually toxic culture. So, kind of moving forward with that, how much then does does lad culture and so called banter play a part in that narrative? And can I also add in? Kind of the impact of social media, especially especially now in the last last decade, that social media really has given another kind of arena for this narrative to play out.
1: Yeah, you know, I often get conflicted with the, the phrases "lad culture" and "banter" because you know, do do lads need a culture? Yeah, we do. If they, you know, if we, if, if if this culture gets us talking about about being men about um, you know, it's a way of talking to our friends. Then we need a culture. Um, can lead culture turn nasty and be abusive? Yeah, definitely. And that's the issue. You know, it's finding it's finding the line in the sand where it goes from good, healthy culture to toxic culture. Same with banter. Do we need banter? Yeah, we do. You know, we all need this time. We all need to to let off steam. We all need to have a laugh. But can banter be abusive? Damn right it can. And I think. That's the issue for me. It's, it's when when is banter a good banter? When is it bad banter? It's it's too, we're too quick to sometimes criticise lad culture. And you know what? Some lap, some parts of the culture, lads culture, needs to be criticised. And it's the it's the character and the behaviour that needs to be criticised, of the individuals, not so much the culture. Um, same with banter as well. And I think the problem for me is that sometimes lad culture and banter are often used to excuse behaviour. And that's the problem for me. It's a bit like boys will be boys. Is used to excuse boys' abusive language or their behaviour. You know, some people just uh, it's just banter, get over it. You know, I hear that a lot, and I use that in my training. Um, it's just banter, get over it. You know, what do you what do you think about that? Um, because I think when when someone says just get over it, all they're doing is shooting the messenger down. They're using the cover of the of the, the culture, the banter culture, and they're just shooting that person down. They're failing to inspect why that person is saying, stop that, that's not nice. And I think we're very, yeah, I think when, when banter is used or um, to excuse poor behaviour, that's another, another issue for for, for, for for me as well. And I think it's, it's, it's again, it's a culture that is driving the behaviour that has led to some of the negative comments around lad culture. And we've seen some really horrible um, examples, you know, of... Um, I often it's 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 at the you know it's where we sort of you know quite abusive to girls and women. And that's when often we see lad culture being used. The lads mags back in the eighties and nineties, the Loaded magazine, and you know there were some really good stories in the Loaded magazine. Some really good stories about mental health, about looking after yourself, physical health, but they again just continued the narrative, the hook. Around looking at girls and women as as less as sexual objects, as less than than, than 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 as as guys, and I think that just continues a harmful narrative. And that's when lad culture and and banter, you know, I think I think the roots of banter are very. I think the roots of banter from 1700s, It's a put down. That's the that's the sort of root of the, the the word. It's a put down. Um, and yeah, but you know, I often say to people, you know, I'm not trying to suck the fun out of life but let's go into the minefield of banter and we often say it's your sense of humour that will get you sacked from your job because if you, you've really got to understand, you know, I think we need to get better understanding the people that we're working with and that what's bantered to some person will not be bantered to somebody else and we need to be brave enough and not just simply fight back at people who challenge challenge our behaviour so yeah, I think lad culture and banter it keeps playing into the narrative it plays into the stereotypes that men are sexist men are misogynistic it plays into that um and it's you know i think for me when it's used to excuse behavior that's the problem for me
0: i'd certainly certainly agree with that and kind of thinking about how we then move forward with that because this idea of Kind of talking about lad culture and banter we, we hear it as much from from our girls and women and our wives and partners as we, as we do from men or they're just the boys being boys the lads being the lads and and so on kind of excusing that behavior so we've spoken quite a lot about being role models uh, about um, opening up conversations uh, being brave in that. So how, how do we open up the dialogue to be open and honest with with our with our boys and, and young men? Because it's, it's something that we're not doing. It is hard. So how do we do that? What should we be talking about with the boys in our life? And also, how do we open that dialogue on some of the more sensitive matters?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, being open and honest, I've, it's run through a lot of the stuff we've talked about today. I've been being honest, I've been being authentic. As men and how we how we, if we promote that we can permit boys and other men to behave like that. And I know, and these are these are skills. These are I, I often do an activity with, with practitioners called you know, Boys Need Stuff, and I got that idea. You know, a couple of years ago, I bought myself a new car, full of gadgets, full of a um, good great high five, nice fighter pilot display on my dashboard. As as men, we, we, we love our gadgets, we love our toys, um, and. I, I want to get people to think you know because if, if boys if we like our tools boys need stuff as well and by stuff I'm not talking about gadgets I'm talking about skills I'm talking about skills to be good men in 2020 and beyond and um, you know I think it's I think I think, I think I think it's important that we start to you know, as practitioners start to realize that our boys need to um, learn how to make friends and keep friends we need to give our boys skills to um, take responsibility to keep healthy this time with the virus going around we need to get these boys to be keeping and you know, keep keep in connection with their friends and keep talking and stay healthy at, at this time you know these this this um, generation generation Z I think is the, the, the phrase used for this generation they're, you know they're the ones out saving the planet doing all their activists I think they're called the activist generation but they're also the ones struggling struggling with their mental health and I think we just expect People to grow up; they're the ones out saving the planet, activist generation. But they're also the ones that are struggling with their mental health. And I think we just expect young people to grow up in the world. We just expect them; they're going to suck it up, they're going to just get on with things. Um, and that's 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 not right. You know, if you look at my generation, Generation X, and we're the ones struggling with our addictions and suicide. And I think what what connects the generations is if we just expect people to get on with it. And while some people can, it's fact, a lot of people out there do lack the resilience to do that. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot as well. So um, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, actually, before all this broke, I was doing a a talk with some young men at school in, in Edinburgh, and it was around leadership. and. I could sense we're going into a lockdown in this country. Schools are about to get closed. It was a big topic of conversation. And I went into this class and I said to the boys, I says, how are we feeling? How are we feeling? And um, a few of them, I ah, we're fine. We'll be okay. Won't affect me. But then when you started to really dig deep, there um, was concerns about, you know, their holidays, not having their holiday, about exams. The real, real concerns that um, these boys were having, and what I wanted to do, and the, the, the question I asked them is, "What do we need at this time?" And a couple of them came out with good leadership, and I think that was key. You know, we, we need leadership from our politicians at this time. We don't need people, you know, trying to get the one up over, over each other. We need people to come together to reassure us, to allay the fears that we have as, have, have as a country. So I think, you know, boys have emotion, but in my view, society still tries to suppress that, and we and we try and get our boys, we just keep thinking our boys are just going to suck this up and ride the storm and get on with it, and you know, I'm a big fan of the American songwriter John Mayer, I don't know if you heard of John Mayer, he writes some wonderful songs, and in it's one of his songs is called Daughters, and it's about how as as fathers we need to look after our daughters, that's one of the lines, but in one verse he, he, he writes, you know, boys you can break, you'll find out how much they can take, boys will be strong and boys soldier on. And I think sometimes the narrative again just continues the stereotypes that we see that boys are just going to suck this stuff up. Um, so I think society needs to find different ways to help boys in their relationships with themselves, but in each other. So I think it's as we as we move forward in these coming days and weeks, you know, we need to keep a dialogue open amongst our boys. If you're a teacher teaching online. Check in with them. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Different things like that. You know, um, I think you know certain things we should be talking about just now with our with our boys are you know talking about how they're feeling. You know, I went in that day. How we feeling? How we feeling, guys? And when you probe, when you probe, you start to talk about. Um, you start to unpick um, all the issues that our young men are are, are facing just now. Um, and I think it's important as well for us as men as well, and we, again, the theme has come through is role model. Role model the viewpoint, role model the behaviours you want to see. Give them permission. Again, what you promote, you permit. Um, and I think, how do you open dialogue? I think that was the question. How do you open a dialogue on some of these sensitive, sensitive issues? For me, it starts way before a particular issue. Um, and, you know what I'm saying, so we, we can, again, build a relationship with that young man, with our son, with our, with our nephew, with that young boy in our class. If we just build that relationship, you know, show vulnerability, role model good behaviours, that will start to, I think, help help you open up the questions, uh, ask the questions that a lot of them are, 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 well, a lot of young boys have just now. You know, as a friend said to me, we need to let boys be sad, let them be disappointed. You know, as I say, if we don't allow them to be sad and disappointed, we're just suppressing the emotion that that they're, that they're that they've they've naturally got. You know, so it's it's so needed. And I think that there's lots of conversations now about how we're comparing this to the war. The period just now, we're comparing it to the Second World War. And yeah, they're two very serious, but this isn't the Second World War. You know, and I, I don't think we should. In many ways, that's. When we compare it to the war, how the country got on with things, we were doing this, we were doing that. Um, we're in a different time just now, but our media access is 24-7. And um, I think we need to really take this seriously for the mental health of our young our young people. Another thing that I do as well about dialogue and sensitive issues is there's a, a new film coming out based on the life of the American Fred Rogers. And Fred Rogers was an American TV personality in the sort of 70s, 80s, and I think 90s. Um, and he, did, he would bring different communities together and talk about good things in the communities. And he often he used the phrase, in moments of crisis, look for the helpers. And I think that's another good way of talking about sensitive issues um, around um, violence, around COVID-19. You know, you've seen some terrorist activities in, in the UK in the last, the last few months. And, and all these moments of crisis look for the helpers, and I think that's that's a nice thing to think about. You know, there's a, there's a, you know, we often say about eighty percent of the narrative just now is negative. It's negative. I think it's probably more than that at this moment in time. But it's negative. It's scary. So we need to give young people something to look at, some, some something good to look at. And I think that, that that phrase moments of crisis look for the helpers, and you'll start to see commonality amongst you know, amongst um, different groups. So yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the prohibition approach, telling boys not to do certain things. I'm a real believer in conversation. Um, and that's, yeah, so that, that would be something there.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Um, something that, that's really stuck with me from what you said, and I've, I've mulled over it many a morning, is that you said that we need to teach boys about being both gentle and strong where appropriate. Could you elaborate on, on what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, you know, we need boys to be strong and gentle at the appropriate times. And I'm not just talking about, yeah, we need, we need boys to be physically strong. Because we often we, we often see that as a negative thing. Right, to, at certain times in life, we will need physical strength. So what's wrong with that? Um, but we also need boys to be emotionally strong as well. And we need society to identify emotional strength as, as important as physical strength. That's the problem just now is that the stereotypes suggest that physical strength is, is harmful, it's bad, and that emotional strength is is weak, especially amongst um, amongst men. And we've touched on this when we talked about um, getting men to open up. Men won't open up a lot of time because they don't want to be seen as weak. And I, I found that when I, after losing my dad in 2008, I, I probably bottled it up a lot of emotion. And it wasn't until years. You know, two or three years later that it started to come out or the, just before I retired it came out. And I think we need to, I think these the skills being strong and gentle fit into the boys needs stuff activity I've talked before about. You know, we need to teach boys to be strong and gentle at the right time. And other tools that we need, um, as I said before, we need boys to keep friends, make friends, pursue healthy pastimes, being responsible, working as a team, being reliable, understanding your own feelings as well as other people's feelings. So, I think it's 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 so important that we we allow our boys to be boys. That you know, I often I've used the phrase "boys will be boys" before, and people, oh, you can't use that, you can't say that. Why not? I said before, Ali McClure's book, "Making It Better for Boys." Boys are different. We need to let boys make mistakes to, in certain circumstances, take some risks because that's natural. That's what they do. Um, but. I think, you know, it's, it's going back to it's important that we allow our boys to express their emotions and you know that that can only be good for them but also good for society. When you bottle things up, if you're if you have all these emotions, um, or your or your or your strength and you're bottling it up, bottling it up and the pressures kick in, something's gonna go. It's like the pressure cooker. Yeah, the pressure cooker that my granny used to have. You know, eventually it will blow. And that's the issues we often see in society. When these blow, when these things blow, these pressure cookers blow, um, that's when we will see the violence, the violence, men's violence against men, men's violence against women, and men's violence against themselves. So we are, we need to allow men to be strong and gentle, but at the appropriate times, at the right times. So
0: that's important. Certainly. I watched um, the programme on BBC One with a disclosure programme hosted by Miles Bonner, and on that you said that we as men... Need to reclaim our masculinity back. Is that similar to what you were saying there?
1: Yeah, I think I think we, it's, it's similar in some respects. And what I mean there is, I think what I meant by reclaiming our masculinity back is because just now, as I said before, the narrative around boys and men is very negative, and it's negative because of the actions of a few. You know, we we're seeing some high-profile figures in the in the recent weeks. Um, Harvey Weinstein comes to mind powerful men, men in leadership behaving both criminally and inappropriately I'm not going to go into any other cases but behaving inappropriately um, as though it's it's okay and um, we, if we're not careful then these actions are going to just continue the narrative around, around boys and men, You're boys and you know, our sons are reading headlines and papers about the inappropriate, criminal, abusive, sexist, violent actions of men in leadership, male role models. And um, they're again, they're confused. They're confused. They're seeing behaviours from some men, which is that way, respectful, but also seeing some men behaving inappropriately and, not, and actually being applauded for that. Well, that's banter. That's just a lad. Hey, it's being a lad. That's a good thing. Whereas, so, I think... <sighs> you know, I think it's 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 so important that as men we should start to develop the skills and the leadership the courage to say to our friends if they're behaving in a certain way hey that's not cool that's not on you know so I think that's that's the reclaiming it back because the vast majority of men don't commit violence and abuse but there's just enough to muck it up for the rest of us.
0: Certainly so, it goes back to, to the theme that, that you write from that you started with that, that boys and men are good. The vast majority of boys and men are, are honest and and brave and, and reliable. But there are just that few and it kinda, kinda has permeated our discussion today. Um can I go on to what you've said a few times about about your leadership programmes? You're a keen advocate of, of the bystander approach to develop personal and organization leadership in order to create safe and supportive environments for learning what is this and how is that achieved
1: you know i said before this is that i I use the bystander approach to talk to men and boys about issues social issues um you know i talked earlier as well about about a need to engage boys and men i think just now we're very quick at pointing fingers you know we need to engage boys, not simply indict them, not point fingers, we need to engage them in the conversations and I I use the bystander approach to talk with boys and men, I think we often talk at boys, we need to talk with boys Um, and a bystander approach, often people think about the bystander approach as oh you're going to teach me how to intervene, yeah you know what that's one of the aims is to give you tools to be able to challenge behaviour, support victims of violence um, safely, but the bystander approach that I use is more than that, it's about how do we Short term, stop what's happening through your tools and skills, but long term, how do we create a culture, um, you know, around how do we bring pro-social norms to the surface? So the bystander approach, if you look at violence, violence, men, boys and men, when it comes to violence, things like domestic violence, sexual violence, boys and men are often looked at as the perpetrator or the potential perpetrator. Um, And girls and women are often looked at as victims or potential victims. What that, what that binary approach can sometimes do, it, it can switch people off. You know, If I'm a young man, you know, I don't abuse, I don't do that, nothing to do with me. So the bystander approach takes away the victim-perpetrator binary and looks at individuals as the classmate, as the teammate, as the work colleague, as the family member, as the friend. And it brings them into a conversation with them being the solution rather than the problem. So, you know, if I was to talk to men about, you know, men shouldn't be doing this, men shouldn't be doing that, very quickly, I'm going to get, I'm going to get folk walking out or I'm going to get abuse back because how dare, and rightly, how dare I accuse people of behaving inappropriately. But the bystander approach allows me to start to look at them as the friend and helps them bring them into the conversation around um, as, as, as allies, as I said before, not the passive bystander. Um, so. You know, violence I said before in Scotland has looked at through a lens of public health. We're having a public health conversation just now around the COVID nineteen virus. And the bystander approach I feel allows me to have the types of conversations we're having just now around social norms. So for example, just now we're talking about washing hands, we're talking about keeping a distance away from people. So that's 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 the public health message to try and stop the spread of violence. The conversations I'm having with boys and men, you know, why why, you know, example, would, you know, why would some boys think it's okay to ask for a nude picture from a girl? You know, why would some men think it's okay to abuse their partner? We can, we start to talk about that. We can start to, to talk about the norms around violence and abuse. And if I'm speaking to these men as friends, it's a good way to engage them in the conversation. And you know, as I said before, big increases in, in violence in, in Scotland is generally coming down things like domestic abuse and sexual violence are going up. And um, the main perpetrator group for sexual violence and domestic violence are boys and men. So we need men, most, whilst most men don't commit violence and abuse, a lot of men are silent when it comes to their friends' abusive behaviour. So, you know, you know, if I'm in a pub and a bar and my friend's being sexist, misogynistic, abusive, you know, if I don't do anything, he's, he's getting the green light for me to keep going. You know, our silence, our silence is is deafening to to victims. You know, silence says to victims of crime, "I don't, I don't care about you." But importantly, silence to the perpetrator says, "It's okay, you have my permission to do this." So, I think we need to start to help our the bystander approach is a great way of talking to boys and men about behaviours. It forces self inspection. You know, when I know when I do my training, some people will think oh, I've done that, and now, but now I know that's abusive. Um, but importantly, it gives men the confidence to say the right things to their friend, without losing their friend. You know, so, you know, if your friend's being abusive, it's important for me to tell my friend that his act is I think society just expects us to jump down their throats and say, hey, stop that, that is totally wrong. But there's a big fear there. If I do that, you know, I don't fear my friend hitting me, but I fear my friend. Ridiculing me, and I and I become the subject. So, how about you know, rather than calling our friends out, how about calling them in? Make a connection, you know, correct, you know, connect before we correct. You know, I'm your best mate. I care about you. I don't want you losing your job or being kicked off the team. But that was wrong what you did there. That's less confrontational. So these are the skills that we can start to give boys and men because we need men to. I think the real the next real reduction in levels of violence will come from not the big glossy campaign or or the, the big, big new program. It will come from the likes of you and me having the courage to challenge our friends on their behavior. That's what we need in society. Um, and we're doing that in our schools just now. We, you know, the, the Mentors and Violence Prevention Programme, which was a program that the Violence Reduction Unit introduced back in 2010. Um, I was fortunate enough to lead that program developed that program and spread it across Scotland and it's now being led really well by Education Scotland um, and it's a program to really build relationships in schools but it gives young people the tools and skills to, to support friends, to, to challenge their friends um, and it allows the school to get on with their day job which is learning. You know if you're a young person at school being bullied, harassed, you won't focus on the learning unless the school starts to work to create a safe environment. Same with the workplace, if you don't, if you have a workplace that is unsafe, a lot of bullying going on, you won't focus on the day job of your, of your job. So if you build the relationships in these settings, then we focus on the learning, the productivity, the, the team. If you're in a, f- a football team and you're living in a safe, supported team, then the goal is to win the game. That's easier if you feel safe and supported. So the bystander approach it's not just about teaching intervention; it's about creating the right conversations that we need to be having in Scotland around violence and
0: abuse. So, how do we how do we then approach how do we then foster this bystander approach in our schools?
1: I like think um, we've been quite successful in Scotland. Schools now are coming on board quite easily because we're not we don't look at this bystander approach as solely as a tool to stop violence. It's a, it's a tool to build relationships. And relationships are key in society. You know, for me as a police officer, if we have better relationships in society, we have less violence. If we have good relationships in schools, we have better attainment levels. You know, no significant learning will occur without a significant relationship. I think it was an American educationalist said that, James Comer. No significant learning will occur without a significant relationship. So, you know, what you know what? what you, you're a teacher. I'm a former police officer. We share the agenda of healthy relationships. If we can build healthy relationships. Then young people would get on with their learning. Will be successful in learning, and we want them to be. We want young people to leave school to be successful to contribute to Scotland's um, future success. So I think you know, so. Starting to look at these programs not as um, Add-ons, or as ticking the box for health and well-being, these are key programs for schools to be buying into um, that will support the learning of young people. So, I think for me, seeing programs like the, the Mentors and Violence Prevention Program, the MVP program, seeing it as a key part of the the school the, of, of of school life, it's supporting young people to be successful.
0: Right, thank you very much, Graham. And and I know that some of the schools that I've worked in have have kind of been been using the mentors and violence protection and the bystander approach. So, kind of moving forward, with that what do, what do you want schools and colleges and universities to do more of when challenging and supporting boys in their learning and in the community?
1: I think I think for me, it's it's it's, it's, it's for me, I don't want to complicate this. I don't want to compl- You know, what do we need to do? For me, it's about having conversations. You know, I'm you know my 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 brand Cultivate minds. I love going into um, schools, universities, and just having conversations with students, with pupils, with t- with football players about about their thoughts, their feelings, about their values, about what they stand for, what they believe in. Um, so, I'd like to, I'd like to see more of these these um, institutions, these settings. Just, just, just you know, ha- having the conversations. I'd like to see schools and teachers learning more about the issues facing our boys. You know, the, the really, there's some really good TED talks out there that are worth watching. Maybe we'll put some links on this as well. You know, a great TED talk um, by the American psychologist Phil Zimbardo called "The Demise of Guys," and he talks about how he's got two TED talks on that on, the, on that heading. Short one, which looks at boys flaming out academically, sexually, and in relationships, and there's a longer one where he he talks about the responses needed. So I, I'm a great believer in doing the knowledge. And there was another another TED talk called "Doing the Knowledge" by Derek Darby, and he talks about how every day we should be asking questions. And he's a, he's a philosopher from America, um, and his 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 job is to ask questions: why, what. And he wants everybody, every single day, to do the knowledge because when you've got the knowledge around what's impacting on young men, especially on young boys, then you're more likely to respond more effectively in your in your in your in your role as a teacher or, or, or even as a, as a parent. So, Phil is on The Demise of Guys." There's another good TED talk by Tony Porter called "The Man Box," um, which is fantastic. Which is Tony is just so honest about his experience as a young man in America. Um, my friend Jackson Katz, um, violence a man's issue, he just lays it lays it bare about men's role in preventing violence, you know, why, you know, he felt like me, most men don't commit violence, but a lot of it is are silent around abuse and violent behaviour in society. So I'd like to see teachers doing the knowledge on the stuff, you know, not just and by doing the knowledge, it will help them because a lot of issues that we're seeing in schools are not just impacting young people. They're impacting on teachers' ability to do their job. You know, I meet so many teachers just now who are spending a, a vast proportion of their time dealing with behaviour. And I, I don't think many teachers jo- went into teaching to deal with behaviours. They, they they went into teaching to teach. That's what they do. So I think if, 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 if teachers started to better understand the issues at play around adversity in childhood and how that plays in the classroom around issues around masculinity and how that plays out in the classroom, there'd be a really good, um, good starting point. And I talk about it in my TED talk, making it better for boys. Um, some of the things that um, we need to be thinking about and doing.
0: Excellent. Thank, thank you so much, Graham. We've come to the end of the, the main interview section. I've got my, my final three questions that I ask every guest on the, the podcast. Before we do that, could you, you've already alluded to your own company cultivating minds Um, Could you share a little bit about how people can find out more about you, the training that you provide, and how they can connect with you on social media or on a website?
1: Yeah, um, Cultivating Minds was just something myself and my friend in America came up with. Um, As I say, it's all about creating conversations, creating conversations around a whole variety of social issues. I've got my website, com. Um, you'll be able to connect with me there. I search me out on Twitter, I'm very very active on social media, I just, again, I just like asking questions and creating conversations on social media. Um, so that's the, that's, that's the ways that people can get in touch with me. My email address is on my website, and yeah, I'd love to connect with people and support in there, in there. and I work in many different settings. Um, and a lot of the work that I do is adaptable to work in schools, universities, sports teams, workplaces, prisons, and in, 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 in
0: communities as well. Wait, thank you very much. And now for for my final three, which will be quite interesting because most of my guests so far have, be, have been teachers. So you're my first, first um, someone from outside the world of, of teaching. So it'll be very interesting to hear your thoughts on these. So my, my first one for you, Graham, is what book or text has had the biggest impact on your career?
1: I've got a couple of books here. Um, They're quite recent books, actually, which I'm really... One is this book here. It's called You Throw Like a Girl um, by my friend Don McPherson. Don is an ex-NFL player in America, football player in America, and he talks about the mandate of masculinity and very openly talks about a need for a more aspirational conversation around boys and men. I totally believe that. If we, we keep being negative about our boys, then there will be a backlash. There will be um a space for some men to just to uh, I don't know, to hook men in and see them as the victim. And what what, what Don talks about, we need a more aspirational, positive conversation. Uh some of your teachers may be aware of the Boys Don't Try book, um written by two teachers, Mark Pinkett and Mark Roberts. Um uh, really good book. And I recommend teachers if you haven't got this book, a fantastic book which sets out Um, And actually just reinforced a lot of things that I've been doing for the last few years. So it's nice to be, but what I'm doing is actually got a place and has been backed up by academia. One thing I try and do in my world is to try and read academic reports, but then apply them in a practical way. So yeah, boys don't try. And you throw like a girl or two books that have really influenced me in the last few years.
0: Thank you very much. Um, If you could give just one bit of advice to a teacher, what would that be?
1: I'll do. Yeah, I've. I've t- one thing I've touched on this as well is do the knowledge, learn about this stuff. These are big issues affecting not just the boys at school, but your own boys in your own life, your sons, your nephews. Um, do the knowledge on these issues, and I think one last one for me is bring yourself to the space. Um, we often leave our role as mums, dads, brothers, sisters, whatever, at the door when we come into the workspace. You know. I think the biggest asset that any one of us have got is our skills as a dad, as a mother, as a member of society. And the vast majority of people in this world are good people. So I think that when they come to work, if they were themselves, they would be, they'd be good, compassionate, kind people. Uh, and that way you can role model behavior. So I think do the knowledge and bring yourself to to the space.
0: Excellent, thank you very much, game And my last one, um, is what do you think most gets in the way of, of great teaching in our classrooms?
1: I think we're busy. We're just we're so busy. You know, school. One thing I've tried to do over the last years is put myself you know, in the feet, of, in the shoes of teachers. And when you do that, you're just absolutely smashed. Um, so I think busy, busy programming, um, and a focus on the on the subject like maths, the science, the subject that's that's getting in the way. Of, and they're important, but as I said before, I think we need to start to look at the health and well-being curriculum as important as the maths and the science. Because without good health and well-being, you know that young person ain't going to learn. They ain't going to be in a safe space to learn. So I think for me, um, you know, our busyness and our focus on our attainment is 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 getting in the way a little bit. But you know step back a little bit and start thinking about the welfare, the well-being of young people um, and one last thing for me I think the media narrative gets in the way as well you know they, this 80% of news is negative um, and, th- and what, what that can do is it can drive our perceptions, there was a headline in a paper a few years ago which suggested that 1 in 10 kids have sent or received a photograph and a nude photograph, that was a headline in bold, bold print whereas the headline there, yeah sexting is an issue but 9 out of 10 kids don't do that so I think if we're not careful, we can get sucked into this negative narrative. So I think, you know, what gets in the way is, 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 is negative media. You know, I would like schools to do more social norms survey, you know, ask the young people in their schools. You know, I know some schools are looking at around alcohol. So last month in this school, 80% of young people in this school didn't drink alcohol. And that sends out a really positive message. So I think what gets in the way negative media and be aware as teachers be aware of the negative media that's out there and how that can be driving perceptions, false perceptions.
0: So thank you very much, Graham. There's some real clear themes that 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 came th- came through there about in masculinity, about being brave, open, and honest. And I think something that that really stuck with me there is is our our need as, as, as men to be good role models. And and that we are the the guideposts for young people, and we need to model. We if we want them to be to be open and honest in the conversation, we need to model that. If we want them to to demonstrate strength and and be gentle at appropriate times, we need to role model that in our society. And I think this this interview will will go a bit further beyond the the usual education kind of sphere that I, that I currently work in and, and I'd like to thank you very much for your, for your time that you've given me you've been very generous with your time and, and sharing your messages so thank you very much
1: Thanks for, thanks for the time Dan I think it's, it's important that you're, you're creating a space for these types of conversations
0: Thank you for listening to the Becoming Educated podcast Until next time Teach with Joy